It's bad. Anime. Hello, everybody. My name is John. And my name is Rob. And this is Bad Anime, the podcast where we decide, is, is this, this anime, anime bad? bad? And today, uh, we're watching, uh, we're talking about a movie, I think, maybe for one of the first times on this podcast. I don't think we've talked about many movies before. Um, um, we've, we've talked about a few OVAs that were released theatrically, I think. Actually, no, only one or two. Um, the only one that comes to mind is... Uh, I don't know if Vampire Hunter D was released theatrically. Well, no, we also did End of Ava, so... Oh, yes, that's true. That's true. We did do that. But anyways, we haven't really done a lot of movies on this podcast, so we I really figured we would and, and, dive into and especially, one today. Especially one that's so critically acclaimed. Uh, we're we're kind of yeah. diving in head first. Yeah, people really love today's topic, so I'm already a little trepidatious. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't wait for the wave of whatever the fuck this causes. <laughs> Let's like see. Uh, the all over again. Oh, God, because uh, today we're going to be talking about Akira. Um, mm -hmm. The 1988 Japanese animated movie uh, mm -hmm. that came out then. And uh, we're talking about today we're going to do our specific does it hold up version of the show. When we talk about if the movie holds up to today. And also some of the intricacies exactly. of the movie that either make it bad or good. Depending on uh, how we feel about it generally. And you know I, I, I got to say I, I didn't really listen to anybody else's opinions about this movie uh until i watched it uh but i've really heard a lot about it just around um mostly about it being just an incredible work of art specifically yes. and the animation being very good and it being one of the best animated movies of all time uh so definitely some a people, lot some people even to go live up to some people even go further to call one of the greatest films ever made some yeah even go that far that's true. So it, it definitely like it definitely has a lot of hype going in. Yeah, it, which I I usually don't like when things have a lot of hype going in uh -huh. because I watch it and I'm like, man, it's like it's so annoying when everybody's hyped up something so much to you and you watch it and you're like, what if I don't think this is amazing? If I don't think this is amazing, do I have bad taste? Exactly. Am I like a bad exactly. person? Um, do I do I not uh, take good care of my balls when I shave them? Um, th there could be a lot <laughs> well, you of do things. Now. Well, I do now. Thanks to Manscaped. Sorry, we're we're done with that actually. But we might not be. But who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I so hope we, it's still going. I fucking I fucking love the products so much. I really hope that I hope so continues. too. I've been so using happy. I've been using them like a lot recently. <laughs> you know, uh, it's winter time and uh, it really gets dark down there. But no, nonetheless, nonetheless, we watched Akira. Um, so I, I think let's talk about it a little bit, Rob. What? Have you heard about Akira before? And if you did hear about it before, like what capacity did you hear about it before? Did you ever consider really watching it before uh, we decided to do it for the podcast? Oh, absolutely. I heard about it before. Just um, being around anime fans, it um, it was almost a little intimidating because it seemed like one of those shows you – sorry, one of those movies you already should have watched. So people would kind of say Akira and be like, yeah, classic. And I'm like, yeah, Hiding the fact that I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> yep. It's one of those seminal works. And it was always in the back of my head. And um, if we go back, because we, to pull back the curtain, you and I have an, a Google spreadsheet where we um, where we have listed all of our episodes. And we also have a bunch of ideas for episodes, like, you know, things we want to cover. One of yeah. the first things I talked about was Akira. It was Akira Ava and Gurren Lagan originally as a three I wanted to do was like, hey, do these hold up? Let's examine these. Like, you know, mm -hmm. so I've been wanting to do a cure for a long time on the show. And 
really because once we had the formation of the podcast in mind, one of the things I thought, oh, finally, I get to like, I get to sit down and just like watch Akira because I needed it. I guess you could say I needed the impetus to do it. It's one of those things. Sometimes you're just, especially with a two-hour film, it's like, that's that, and you know, I'm so, um, I guess you say utilitarian with how I spend my time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'm just like two hours, you know, because in my mind I'm like, that's I can watch like so many OVAs in that time. I can, you know, I'm. I'm and you know I'm I have several music projects going out at any given point, so I'm like I gotta go right. work on those. So yeah. I just needed the ADHD part of my brain, or in my case, I have kind of slice something slightly different. But I needed the um, I needed that element of my brain to shut off and just tell me to sit down and actually just watch Akira, yep. and I did around four hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a great, which is a great thing. So it's fresh in your mind. And I was the same way about this movie. I mean, I kept hearing about it all the time and I wanted to make the time to sit down and watch it, but kind of like you, I feel like we have a very similar way of spending our time. And the way that I spend my time is, uh, quite, uh, frankly, just working all the time and just doing things that are either yeah just stuff that's either like you know for my career or like for like side projects or stuff like this or for the podcast like anything like that like i just like to occupy my time being productive in a lot of ways and yeah the fact that we could watch akira and feel productive while watching akira was a big thing for me i also watched it mm-hmm. um on a plane to japan uh so that was yes, a you, lot of you fun. had a connecting flight and you were gonna you were in japan for a few hours i remember how excited you were i, I was, was so happy for you because eve because we were only texting at the time, but I could just feel the joy radiating through your words. And I'm like, I'm so fucking happy for Bouncy right now. I really I, am. Man, it was great. I was just so happy to be there for like, I was only there for maybe like three hours. And uh, on the way there, I, I just downloaded so much anime. I, like I just, I, I upgraded our Crunchyroll account briefly. Um, and I, I paid the difference. So there you go. But I, I downloaded oh, the- you? Uh, Thank you. I did. I actually am currently paying for it, I think. It shifted over after I did that, and I forgot to cancel it. So whatever. We can download episodes now, which is really sick. Uh, oh, thank you. I didn't even notice that was taken off my I, account. Oh, thank you. Don't worry about it. Uh, I don't even know how I did it, to be honest. I still have to figure it out. But either way, um, I upgraded That's our amazing. account so I could download some episodes, and I downloaded the movie, the entire movie of Akira, I mean Akira, and a couple other things. And... Well, no, uh, you, you, you pronounced it right. The, like, you, you did the Japanese pronunciation the first time, so that's fine. So that's what I was wondering. Is it like, like Japanese pronunciation? Because I, I know it is Akira, but, it's a, but a yeah. lot of people say Akira, right? Well, th- well, they say Akira because they're American. Oh, okay. You know? That's good. Wow. I feel traditional today, baby. Uh, I was on uh, well, ANA. They, thankfully, we have, we've, had a, we've had a lot of protagonists named Akira over, like, the, yes, um, over the course of watching, of watching animes <laughs> together. So, you know, I, don't, I, I would like to think you're reminded of Akira from Devil Man and not Akira from um, fucking X-Arm. I really hope you're not thinking of him right oh, now. Oh, it's, it's definitely Akira from Devil Man. Uh, and funny that you mentioned X-Arm because this, this movie actually had a lot of similarities to X-Arm uh, that I caught weirdly enough. Well, meaning and X-Arm just I don't ripped know. this off so heavily. I mean, it's funny completely now. Completely ripped it off. I mean, absolutely ripped it off. There's no, also- <laughs> there's no originality in that show now. Yeah, and it's really funny because now is yeah we, I love um this reminds me very much of when you when you watch Darling in the Franks without watching Ava first so yeah. it's very much that similar mentality here where it's but now this time I get to join you I'm like oh I really should have watched Akira first here I really should have. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, either way, I, I watched it all the way on the way to Japan. And uh, it was mm -hmm. a great thing to occupy that time. It also made me feel productive because I was like, oh, I'm doing something for the, for the podcast. And like, this is really exciting. And uh, l let's get to the let's get to the the, sh the movie itself, because um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, what was what was wild about it at first? Um, the movie opens up with like a giant explosion, which I, I think relates a lot to the um, nuclear bombs of uh Nagasaki yeah. and Hiroshima. Mm. Um, right. And I think it, it has a lot of relation to that uh, historically throughout the movie. And it, it that those bombs go off and then the, the series takes place. I mean, the movie takes place 40 years later in 2019, uh, weirdly enough. Mm -hmm. So it's like post-apocalyptic kind of world. And when the movie yep. opened up and when we started to see what it looked like, I thought I was watching like a remastered version for 2022 mm -hmm. or for 2020 or something. And I was like, wow, this just looks fucking amazing. Like it looks so it does, good. Everything's so yeah. detailed. The frames are incredible. Uh, I did some research on it and like each second has 24 frames or over. Yeah. Um, it's fucking crazy. The animation on this thing. And then I it's like the fluidity look, of it. It, yeah, it it's moves like nothing I've ever seen before in anime. And and that mm -hmm. means even today, like even by today's standard, yeah. it's probably the most beautiful animation I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, this has to be remastered. Like, there's no way. Yeah, and I course. looked at it and then I was like, no, it's it's just the 1988 version. Like, it's just the, yeah. it's just what <laughs> exactly. it was, which yeah. is absolutely insane. When you the think miracle about it. of budgets, it's it's amazing yes. when you just have we had when an you insane have a, budget. Yeah. When you have a budget and a team who clearly cared and poured their heart into this thing. Yeah. I mean, the budget for this, I, I did look it up, too. It was like about 8 to 11 billion yen, uh, mm. which is, I mean, nuts. Uh, it is an insane budget. And you could really see that in the animation. I think that's the first point I really want to hit on throughout this entire uh, movie that that is the thing that out of everything you know the, the story was interesting um the characters were fine uh in my perspective but the craziest thing about this movie was definitely how it looked and the appearance of it was just incredible like nothing i've seen before oh around 90 90 99 to 90 percent of my enjoyment from this film all came from the technical side mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. Predominantly the animation, but the sound design here was also fantastic as well. Yeah. I loved, throughout the course of this film, during very dramatic moments, the sound would cut out entirely and then come back in dramatically. Yes. And I, they did it a, 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 maybe a little too much for the average person, but um, I'm not going to complain about giving me more of something I like. So that device really got me. But then I, and this is something I have to admit right now. I got so lost looking at this film, I had to keep reminding myself to listen to the dialogue and plot. Because mm. I was just like, wow, that looks so cool. Wait, what? Are, what's going on? What are we doing? <laughs> Who are these characters? I, I need to... Kaneda, yeah. cool. Yeah. I had to... Um, I, I had to... I had to Tetsuo! My... Tetsuo! Tetsuo! Kaneda! Kaneda! Tetsuo! I, and... I'm sure there were earlier examples, but I'm asking myself now, did this start the anime and New Japan wrestling trend of screaming your opponent's name at them as a fight's going on? You know, I think it might have done that because we've seen the Kaneda versus Tetsuo in so many different iterations, whether it's Okada or mm -hmm. Sasuke, Naruto. Exactly. Or so many Shingo. Shingo. Naito. Osprey. Osprey. 
<laughs> we've seen it in so many ways. And I, I like that point a lot because a lot of this show, I mean, this movie, I keep flubbing that. Yeah. But a lot of this movie, I think. We always do that. It's fine. We do. Uh, <laughs> and I, this... and we stopped. We tried. We, because um, we would always refer, try to refer to OVAs as OVAs. I've noticed that in the early episodes. And until we gave up and just kept, kept saying show. So yeah, just we're it, breaking some habits right now and it's fine. You know, you we're know what we're 50. talking about. It's a movie. We don't we're, even do movies that often. So yes, we're sorry. We're um we're retraining some muscle memory here. We're all we're we're about to hit fifty episodes, and we only did two movies. So spare, spare us, please. Please. Uh, but yeah, that that like dichotomy between the two characters, I think, was really one of the main plot points of this movie that I enjoyed. And I think like there's a lot about this movie that. Really, there was a lot of story told via the animation as well, which I, I mm. super appreciated because I think there was this big air of like, I mean, post-apocalyptic Neo-Tokyo is where it takes right. place, right? We have all of this like cynicism around new technology and the application of new technology, but also like the government is utilizing it and creating these um, interesting like psychic weapons uh, yep. in the form of like children and experiments and stuff. And uh, Akira, mm -hmm. the um, the namesake of the movie is actually like a, a psychic weapon that's responsible for the destruction of the first Tokyo, the regular Tokyo that we know. Yep. So I think that there's some intrigue and the chaos of everything going on. And of course, this like scrappy Kaneda and Tetsuo who are part of this biker gang that, you know, don't really have a school don't really have activities and had to kind of resort to a life of crime because it's what they know and it's what they had to do to survive kind of it's the only um, option they have really the only option and so things like that the animation told very well in that story about the raggediness and kind of like the garbage everywhere and like how everything's mm -hmm. still like neon and stuff but it's really really like very edgy kind of looking city is this like neo tokyo that they've designed yeah, and you see it um, play so much into so many films that follow it, and it's like getting to the core of so many things I love. I'm like, oh, you were the influence. That makes a lot of sense. Right, and it really helps when you look at this movie in terms of like just how the scenes look, like how Tokyo yeah. looks in this movie is like, wow. I feel like that imagery has inspired so many other animes, so many other mediums, and so many other oh, visions of how, especially like the West, of how we view Tokyo. Because I oh, that's a great point. Yeah, because this was one of the first movies to come over to the West. Uh, that was a really big deal in like Japan and came over to yeah. Uh, no, this Western this was audience. a this was a big. Uh, that's and I think that also has to do a lot with why this movie is so well regarded because it served very much as a bridge between uh, Japanese entertainment and a Western audience. Mm -hmm. You know, anime in particular, obviously, but you could probably link this back to how suddenly J-horror started, you know, transcending over to a Western audience. This was a very much a um, a bridge and like a focal point of me of that media really coming over here. And then yeah. that led to that definitely that probably led to the American anime boom in the 90s, because after Akira, I think a lot of people started dubbing and then import, importing all these OVAs over. It's like we need more films. We need more films. What? This one's only an hour. It's fine. And I think yeah, that's why. Just get it over such here. An, yeah. I think that's why we had such an OVA boom in America in the 90s. And you can really tie the link almost directly to Akira. Definitely goes in the shell as well. But, you know, Akira is yeah. probably the real first shot across the, excuse me, first shot across the bow. Definitely. And, well, I, I, yeah. I mean, in a little research, because you kind of mentioned Ghost in the Shell. And uh, so after Akira was released and grossed all of its money worldwide in the States, uh, even too, in the West, 
Um, yep. The VHS release came out in 1991 by a company called Manga Studios, actually. Yeah, yeah. And that company went on to make Ghost in the Shell and also become one of the mm. biggest distributors of anime in the West. So it's pretty interesting yep. to see like how this movie triggered all of that happening uh and kind of triggered the as you said the anime boom in the 90s and i i wow i hate how academic i'm being right now but it's really <laughs> fascinating <laughs> to talk about <laughs> should, should 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 i point out what beer i'm drinking right now so we can yeah, bring please, this back tell down us to what Earth beer you're drinking i'm 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 acting too smart i'm not smart really tell me tell me about <laughs> the beer you're drinking um it's is called it a, sunday beer i love that beer it's a fun beer you and do? also today is sunday haha <laughs> Yeah, that's hence why I bought it, because as I said in a previous episode we recorded, I did some tremendous beer shopping. You've had Sunday beer? Yeah, oh yeah, I've had it multiple times. It's actually, you know, maybe I was too overzealous. It's 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 quite good. I mean, it's not like it's not like fantastic, but you know, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm drinking it right now because of the low alcohol content. It's three point only three point nine percent. Oh. Perfect so, for a Sunday. No that's the thing, you know. Sometimes it's about, you know, sometimes it's about moderation and sometimes how I like to do that. It's like, well, I still want, I still want a lot of liquid, but I don't want to get hammered. Hmm. If there was less alcohol, I'll feel the effects less. That's all mine. There you go, sailor. Um, am I teaching moderation? No, now I'm being too parental in this episode. Fuck. We're damn it. We're screwed. Um, okay. We already talked about our balls. Uh, uh, um, uh, Akira's, we already talked about beer. I love Akira's uh, jacket. Yeah, it's really cool. It's so red. <laughs> he's almost like a red Power Ranger, and I want. And he's got him. a he's got a pill on the back of it too. It's fun. He's like Doctor Mario crossed with the Red <laughs> Ranger. I like it. Yeah, Doctor Ranger, bro. Uh, yeah, but his jacket is cool. His motorcycle is really cool too. And he, I, okay, I, like I love all the that motorcycle I, scenes. The, actually, apparently, those, um, uh, on, a, on a serious note, again, okay, I hate to go back to being academic about this, but yeah, sure, that uh-huh. actually is called the Akira slide. It, it became very, it became a very popular trope in anime and even Japanese live action films. Like that, the scenes where Akira would basically do that slide, that kind of like side slide thing. Oh, that became very famous. And Akira is like the progenitor of that. And I'm like, Son of a bitch, wow. I think I've seen that in Western movies, too. Okay, since you said something really smart, I'm going to say something really dumb. The Akira slide sounds like something that you hear at a middle school dance and you all have to dance to, and you're not really excited to dance to it, to be honest. <laughs> they make you do it in, in, like, middle school gym class? Yeah, like, right after you learn the Cotton Eye Joe, and everybody's like, we're going to do the Akira slide. Now, everybody, fight your best friend in Mortal Kombat right now. <laughs> <laughs> be warned, though, your friend's got telekinetic powers. I hope you have a bazooka. He's also turning into like a, a an animatronic bear of sorts that's also going to contort into a humanoid robot device that will try to kill you. Um, all right, everybody clap your hands. Uh, great. <laughs> uh, see, I wonder, there's so much about this movie that really makes me think because I have to put myself back. I have to basically re-examine all the media I've seen out, out of Japan at the time and think, mm. all right, 88 but on a wide scale with this much of a budget. You know what I mean? Because there was a lot of, there was already a lot of kind of like grotesque body horror in the OVA world. Sure. But the ending of this movie was probably the first time it was seen by a Japanese audience on that wide of a scale. And definitely the first time a Western audience saw anything like that. Mm -hmm. So there's just so much here to break 
down just from a technical level alone and i guess should we get to what the hell the story is and just talk about it for at least a little bit yeah let's talk about the story i think that it's important to to talk about and um I, i think the something important to mention is that the story was obviously it was originally a manga uh, right. came out in 1982 um and but the from movie but but from what i read though the plot mm. actually differs significantly from the manga it does because the movie is uh the first half of the first volume of the manga mm-hmm. and the last mm. half of the last volume of the manga just kind of smushed together and i feel like Jeez. that's why in the middle of the movie things just got like i i the plot just got a little what is going on right now kind of um so, so let's let's take it from the beginning. Yeah, where, let's also Leah. Yeah, yeah. Let's take it from it. the beginning. Let's talk about uh, so Kaneda and Tetsuo. Like we're introduced to those characters pretty early on, and the first thing they're in a motorcycle gang. Obviously, like we talked about, Neo Tokyo being super run down, not much to do, like lots of crime, lots of just like you know uh, black market dealings going on there. And Tetsuo and Kaneda are part of this motorcycle gang, and Tetsuo is notably a bit jealous of Kaneda. Kind of has that little mm-hmm. brother syndrome, like jealous of his bike jealous of his look yeah um his jacket is really yeah. cool he even says at one point wow that jacket makes you look like dr mario and the red power ranger combined um <laughs> he totally doesn't but i thought that i, I think we're, i think we're getting the meta confused here. sorry i'm projecting i'm projecting uh and <laughs> so they they you know they, they were introduced to that and the kind of the big swing happens when uh we meet this kind of small green boy <laughs> he's like kind of a like a bit of a, he's a government experiment uh which mm. i guess we're led to believe pretty early on but over time it gets more confirmed that he is a government experiment uh by the mm. japanese government and um kanida and tetsuo are in like a motorcycle chase another gang against another gang and then they stumble upon that boy and the government's looking for the boy and Tetsuo makes an interaction with the boy. And I, I believe mm. they're either really close or they touch and then something happens to Tetsuo. And he's like, oh, I don't know what's going on, bros. And everybody's like, and the government's like, yo, you touched that boy? And Tetsuo's like, yeah, but like not sexually. And they're like, I don't believe you, my guy. And I so don't then, believe you, sir. So then they take Tetsuo eventually and keep him. Uh, mm. So, and then the whole time they're experimenting on Tetsuo because he had an interaction with this um, nuclear green boy that they've been keeping. Yep. And so then they're who, kind of... Who looks like a wrinkly old man. He does, but he's small and blonde for some reason. He yes. kind of looks like Jim Carrey from The Mask a little bit. But with white hair, yeah. Yeah, but with white hair. And so then they're te- experimenting on Tetsuo. Tetsuo is going through all this like weird stuff and he's got these like telekinetic powers all of a sudden, but he doesn't know how to control them. He's just yeah. getting really weird. His head's getting really large. His f- that forehead is getting massive, my dude. Uh, yeah, the forehead. The forehead quickly turned into a six head. Oh, overnight, practically. And the whole right. time, uh, Kanida is just trying to find where Tetsuo is and figure that whole thing out. And meanwhile, there's kind mm. of another group who's like a group of vigilantes that Kanida links up with because he finds this girl hot, and then he's like, "Oh, you're hot," and she's yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm gonna." I'm trying to stop the government from experimenting with this weird thing that's never really fully talked about, fleshed out, I don't think. But she's like, yeah, we just got to stop the government, man. And Kaneda's like, you're hot. I'll do whatever you want, man. Uh, yeah, and no, then, I love yeah. how Kaneda was so straightforward. He keeps trying to ask her out for drinks several times, even though I think they said he's like 15. So, <laughs> Which is hilarious. 
Uh, it and, was so goddamn funny. Yeah, I mean, throughout the throughout the movie, we're just kind of looking for Tetsuo, and then Tetsuo appears again, uh, and then escapes the governmental facility, uh, and has all of these telekinetic powers now that he's been injected with all this shit. Uh, and since touching the green boy in his private parts, he's got all this crazy power right now and a big ass forehead. So then you he know, just when starts you get injected with the, When you get injected with that bowel virus, things just go wrong. Dude, it is the bowel virus, my guy. That is so what's <laughs> happening right now. It's just like that classic 80s anime virus yeah like virus thing and you don't know what it is and nobody knows and they're trying to the japanese government is always trying to harness this unknown power but it just goes wrong and it went yeah. wrong in the form of tetsuo who then uh my favorite part underrated funny part where he just grabs like a red flag and wraps it around himself like a red little red riding hood cape and he's just like what's <laughs> this capes are cool and then he just goes around just destroying the city and leveling the whole place yeah because I've, I've seen a lot of images of tetsuo like with that cape i'm like i wonder what how the cape comes into it and he just fucking he just tears a flag off and puts it a cape for no reason other than he thinks it probably looks cool it's never confirmed why he does this it's just a scene that happens and i'm like you kind of i appreciated the detail but i don't know if we needed to see that you know as I mean? if as if we needed any more confirmation that Tetsuo has a lot of red flags uh yep. in this movie. Um but I'm yeah, bang so, my head on the microphone. I mean so Tetsuo just is going around is leveling the city, uh, holds up in a stadium eventually, which is pff, I mean, copied the hell out of X Arm there, but whatever. Uh he's yeah, in a total stadium. Plagiarism, man. I mean, get, what get the on hell, the level guys. of X Arm. <laughs> Seriously. Or Darling of the Franks, anything like that. And then he Sets up there and he's like sitting on a throne and he also had a girlfriend who's, I guess, not that big of a deal, but it's his only connection still to the human world. And he's kind of phasing oh, in yeah, between Colorado, humanity. Yeah. yeah, he's like phasing in between humanity and not humanity and she's with him and she's, she's like, Mickey Tetsuo. Makimura. He's Miki, exactly. And she's like, Tetsuo, are you okay? And he's like, his body's like becoming robotic and he's like, which the animation is sick here and his like skin is like morphing and he gains like a new arm and shit and it's wild. Yeah, he's becoming a fleshy robotic giant monster yeah and it looks so good here that i was captivated i'm like oh things are getting real now yeah and the one scene that got me because um um kaneda shows kaneda shows up he's like well i have to gotta do something about this <laughs> the, the, the green children all show up and they're like we gotta do something about this he's gonna like destroy everything at one point um we hear the inner turmoil of Tetsuo. He's like, my body's acting on its own. It doesn't. It's not listening to me anymore. And I love it because it was a very quick, sudden death scene. It was um, Kaori got trapped in his body. And you just see, like, him squisher like a bug. Yeah. And, like, in, like, the pocket, in the pocket that she was being held, you could just see just a pool of blood and that's it, you know. You know, presumably she got squished, and it's like, ooh. But yeah. I love how quick, I love how quick the death scene was, and they didn't really linger on it. A lot of other films that might have like been a huge emotional moment, but it was just a passing thing, and I loved that. I love mm -hmm. how like how um the film took stock and that she was just another byproduct of this um, incredibly crazy situation. I'm like, wow, yeah. this is kind of it's. I don't want to say brutal because, you know, even at the time, there's been way more brutal animation. Right. Some we've seen, some we haven't talked about, some we will talk about later. Mm -hmm. 
but it wasn't it wasn't particular it wasn't the brute brutality that got me it was just like the the pacing and the way they um the way they killed her off and, and how like matter of fact it was more so right how matter of fact and and again where they knew they had this weird gross out thing coming but they kept it to the end of the movie um right. it was just everything here was just paced very well it was the, the escalation all made sense you know what i mean yes the mm-hmm. fact that we started out with biker gangs and then we wound up with tetsuo with a sorry i'm um, Kaneda with a bazooka trying to kill tetsuo it made sense how we got there it did it did i it, like it, you it kind of like made you go like you're wondering how i got here right but that that's Freeze. really what but that's really what happened at the end and uh notably uh tetsuo's goal in all of this was to destroy akira which the government was keeping in like a, a giant refrigerator, essentially. Um, yeah. And Akira is the thing, of course, as we noted, that is uh, was the weapon responsible for Tokyo's destruction. And it is a boy responsible for that yeah. destruction. But uh, they, the government, because they were so afraid, probably, just kept him but removed every organ of his and stored it in a different vial of sorts. Yeah, and they, and they like did tests on him and stuff just to yeah. like, figure out his power. And it was crazy because, um, because when, um, because Akira, sorry, Tetsuo was on the hunt for Akira. And when he, they found like this big uh, metal, like dome, like this big giant ball. Mm-hmm. He opened it up expecting to find Akira prisoner inside. And he found at first, which just looked like with a bunch of cans. And I wanted to text you going like, holy shit, Akira's just a bunch of beer? This is awesome. Because <laughs> at first they looked like beer cans. And I'm like, what? It was beer. It was it was the beer we made along the way, but then eventually, you know, he holds him up and sees like the remaining organs and like tendons and whatever right. Akira, and yeah, that's when Tetsuo starts to lose it a little bit, and he tries to control himself and his powers. But it, throughout the movie, various characters try to tell him like, "You have to come back. We have to like treat you. We, you know, we right. have to like, we have to give you drugs. We have to do so much so you can control yourself and you don't destroy yourself and probably the world." Right. And um, Tetsuo was saying, like, nah, I think I got this. Yeah. And we learned and the, he yeah. doesn't got it. He does not. And the weird part about all this is that Tetsuo is trying to find Akira to destroy the thing that caused um, uh, the third impact. I mean, the apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but then Tetsuo himself is causing a similar apocalypse by searching for Akira and trying to uh, mm. achieve Akira's power or something like that. Right. And yeah, I mean, at the end, what what you get is what you get. I mean, Kaneda um, ends up surviving. Uh, bazookas the hell out of uh, out of uh, Tetsuo, and Tetsuo just kind of explodes at the end of the at the end of the movie, and just everything mm-hmm. explodes with him. It's like a big white void, and it kind of like hints on like the idea of like human existence and whatnot, and all that, all that academic shit. But that, that's yeah, that's Devilman. Yeah, Devilman, exactly. And that's what pretty much happens at the end, like another like apocalyptic explosion. But uh, Kaneda survives. And I guess that kind of shows us that like humanity will always survive, you know, like cockroaches yeah. in the in the city, whatever you have. I you. was just about to say the cockroach comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I, I did. I really appreciate the ending when because they really fix in Akira's bike a lot in this movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed when he um, the girl he thought it was hot and another one of the gang. I forget his name. They. They ride away on their beaten up and broken, barely functional bikes, but they do ride off into the sunset quite literally. And it's like, okay, humanity will go on. No matter what mm-hmm. happens, people will find a way to live. It was essentially the reverse of Devil Man, where Devil Man 
which had a similar ending, the white void, and you know everyone dies. Yeah. Spoilers. You know we've talked about Devil Man enough. So <laughs> if you made it this far, and you're a and you're a listener, regular listener, thank you. And if you're a new one, oh shit, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to spoil it. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Yeah. Watch, 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 Cry Baby if you want. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was a much more uplifting ending. And you know what? And like I said, I only watched this um four four or five hours ago now. I just mm-hmm. I watched it for the first time in in its entirety. And you know what? I enjoyed the heck out of it. But I do have to say, we kind of glossed over, but I want to bring it back up. The middle, I was a little confused, and it kind of dragged a little bit. Yes, I, I I see what you're saying, and it did do some dragging in the middle, uh, and. I think I, I was also kind of on the same wavelength with you where I was kind of so swept up in all the looks of things and the appearance of things that throughout the middle, I was just like, what is actually going on? Because there were a exactly. couple different scenes that I was like, notably when um, Canada and like that, that girl that he thought was hot were like making their way through the sewer and like trying to find things and That's trying well, to- Yeah, they, like, they, were, they, were, they were dressed as like maintenance workers. Right, trying to invade the government base to get out Tetsuo or find Tetsuo, and then right. Tetsuo's fight uh, with all of like the green children. Um, uh-huh. All the green children had like uh, some backstory in there and like what right. they were doing. And there was also like just a lot of different themes thrown in there about like drug addiction for Tetsuo and like the government and involvement in technology creation and uh, surviving the apocalypse. I don't know. There was just like kind of a lot thrown in there and. It, it, I guess Tetsuo, I didn't really have a problem with because that escalated, as you said. Uh, it made mm. sense how it escalated. Right. But everything else was just kind of like, what are you, what are you exactly doing? And maybe if it had a, mm. and I hate to say this because, you know, it was, it was a two hour film, right? But maybe yeah. if there was another half hour to really flesh out that kind of stuff, it would be All right. really great. Hey, here's the thing now because we had to get back to, now we actually have to get at the criticisms here because yeah um like i said everything about the movie all my positives are more on the production side when it comes to the story i don't really know how engaged i was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i wasn't super drawn in by a lot of these characters um, i agree yeah tetsuo was just you know it was tragic and by the end I was, you know, he pulled me, but throughout most of the movie, just the he, the little brother sh- syndrome just wasn't doing anything for me. Right. Um, Kaneda, Kaneda, cool. But that's really about it. You know yeah, what I, mean? I, I know. He he really remained the same throughout, I think. He was static as all hell. Yeah, very the, static. The, the hot girl character who wasn't even that hot didn't really do a lot in the story. Yeah. She was kind of there. She spotted off one or two um, of her idealistic intentions, and I'm like... Okay, you're the progressive one. Cool. I am bored. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But some of the side characters got me. I love the bartender. Um, the bartender and I have to, cool. And I have to, and I have to admit, um, part of my reason is because um, I watched the English dub, right? And yeah. I lost my fucking mind when I heard the bartender because the bartender is the voice of several NPCs in Skyrim. Really? Wow. Oh, I oh just, my god, that's I, hilarious. I, I, I heard his voice and I was like, what the fuck? I got suddenly I got <laughs> uh, Oh my god. Suddenly you I got transported right back, into, 
right back into the blacksmith's so, shop. <laughs> I was about to say suddenly, um, suddenly I am back in. Um, I was about to say Morrowind, but that's not that's not Skyrim. No, suddenly I was back. I, I was about to say I'm back in Whitefell, and and I'm uh, I'm the Thane again, and I'm like having a great time, and I'm like, get me a beer, sir, please. Get, get me a beer right now. So I was very into that, but our main. The problem here is just our main cast wasn't doing a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Really didn't. Um, could have been a time thing, but I just feel like there wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't. Maybe this relates back to my misery index, where I, how miserable does a show have to be to get or movie? Has to, <laughs> how miserable does a show or movie have to be for me to care? I should really learn to public like speak better. I, I'm on a podcast. I should really learn how to not fumble over my words like a moron. But. <laughs> The main cast just didn't pull me, and mm-hmm. I can't really explain why because I'm so fresh off the film that I, I didn't really internalize my opinions yet. All I can give, all I can give right now are my emotional reactions. I get it. I just wasn't I drawn it. in by these characters. Yeah, the the characters and the and the dialogue for that matter, like um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I like. I, I actually I watched the sub on this one. Uh, nice. And I just figured I I just figured I would. I don't know. I I just watched whatever I downloaded. So I was like, oh, guess I downloaded the sub. I'll watch the sub. And uh, I'm becoming more of a weeb than I am. I guess I am somehow. <laughs> uh, don't don't st- stop me now because things are gonna get nope. weird. Um, uh, but I yeah I don't know the the dialogue and the characters didn't really speak to me in any way i mean i kanida as is very static as we said like not very uh three-dimensional um and that's okay you don't really need that necessarily but it's just i don't know i I, I wasn't really like when he was in trouble i wasn't really like afraid or i wasn't really like um empathetic towards his situation at any time i was just like oh yeah whatever he'll be fine he's the he's the main character uh tetsuo uh on the other hand um I mean, I spent the entire show just thinking he's a whiny bitch. But like, wh- I mean, mm-hmm. that that was kind of his whole character appeal, like some shtick, yeah, little brother, uh, King Joffrey kind of energy he had going. Good comparison. Um, yeah, and I was like, it's it's it was less all right. Less of a psycho, but yeah, yeah, less of a psycho for sure. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Every other character just didn't really do much, uh, and that's that's okay, I guess, because the main draw here was like the production. I think and the main draw was how everything looked. I think, you know, if if we read the mangas, if we read like all six volumes of this manga, probably have a much better idea of what's actually going on. Uh, Maybe a bit the, more of understanding, yeah. The story just, the story was understandable. I just don't think it maybe had a lot of time to breathe as much. Um, and a yeah. lot of things were explained, I guess explained enough, but not explained to the to the extent that I would like them to be. Um, but gotcha. you know me, I, I like a plot explainer for for yeah uh, no yeah yeah you like you faults. love your details and I can take them or leave them yeah exactly um, so that's just a me thing but yeah at the end of the day um I guess we got to ask our big question uh, first of all um did you did you enjoy it did you like it mm-hmm. uh, and uh, does it hold up to this day you think um even though the story didn't really really relate to me at all I got to say yes to both of those. I mm-hmm. really do. Mm-hmm. And again, it all comes down to the technical marvel that this film is. Because, yeah. you know, it you could could you be more negative towards it and say style, style over substance? Yes. But 
when that style is just so goddamn good. So good. Because the style was, it added to the substance. It really, it, it, came, it came so far around where the style really created substance. It's it like, did. how did you do this? I have no idea. It's, it's like if you took an okay chicken cutlet, but you fucking breaded it with the most amazing fusion of like garlic panko you've ever had in your life. Right. And it created an additional crispy crust on top of that chicken. It's oh. suddenly that style added to that substance. And then you're hungry just thinking about oh, it. Yeah. I am too. Like if you if you I... just cover like cover some garbage in like some delicious mozzarella cheese, like I'm gonna eat it. Exactly. But not to say that the the story here was garbage, it's just I just wasn't interested. Yeah. Um of course. You know, but I, I do think it holds up and I do think it's one of those seminal weeb works, weeb rite of passage, you know, things other other labels I've used over the tenure of this podcast. I do definitely believe this is one of those. Um recently and I think the again the trash days guys are responsible for this a lot. People have been calling it mid. I would not say that. I would not mm-hmm. say this the story might be average. Yeah. A very sure. average, very understandable tale. But then again, we have to ask ourselves, are we just so aware that things have been, that have been inspired by it that do we lack historical context here? That's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want everything to, I want everything that I say today to be taken with that grain of salt that sure. maybe I just couldn't appreciate the story because I'm so used to elements that I've seen in other works mm-hmm. that probably were inspired by this. But back to my main point, this, this movie looks great, usually sounds really damn good, or... It's not even that it sounds good. Like I said, it's the sound design more so than the soundtrack. Like the mm-hmm. absence of sound and when they include sa- certain sounds, that was all done very well. And this was a beautiful film to experience. Just not the best story that could have been told is my main mm-hmm. point. So mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend it. And I'm glad I watched it. And I enjoyed parts of it. That's my mm-hmm. take on it, the whole thing. There you go. I think I would have to answer yes and yes for that as well because uh, it does. You're making. You're make, <laughs> yeah, no. If, if you could, if you could just pantomime a blowjob the entire time I'm speaking, that that would be that would again. We're, uh, I sense the academia coming back up, so I had to throw some levity in there for our. Exactly. Like, Thank you with. so much. We we gotta balance ourselves out, right? We can't sound like we're smart all the time because because exactly. we know, we know we're not. So I mean, uh, but yeah, I, I we have I, our I, moments. I also got to say, yes, like Akira, we have our moments. We have our moments. Exactly. And I have to say, uh, it does, it does definitely hold up. Um, it's a Marvel. Um, and it does, I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. And I think the reason I enjoyed it so much and the reason I think it does hold up is because I, when I think of this movie, I see it more as, um, as like an art film. Um, not necessarily like, not necessarily like something that, is going to light the world on fire with its storytelling or dialogue or anything. Something that l- absolutely lit the world on fire with like how it looked, uh, its imagery that inspired so many other things, so much art, uh, so much other anime, so much other works uh, in other genres as well. Um, right. Quentin Tarantino movies, I'm sure, took a lot from this as well. Like, you know, there's there's a mm-hmm. lot of different things that I think it, it did. And it's such like a, a seminal work. And it really just inspired a lot, a lot of stuff. So, I mean, it. And it's also, to my earliest point I made in this uh, episode, it is the nicest anime that I've ever seen. The nicest animated thing I've ever seen, I think. And that's that's saying a lot because the stuff we've yeah, seen quite now... Po- quite, po- quite possible across all of animation for me. Yeah, and I, I'd have to think right? about that one a little bit before I answer that confidently. Mm-hmm. But this is just one of the most beautiful animated works I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it might almost be as good as My Dress Up Darling, even. <laughs> 
Okay, full disclosure. Um, remember how we said we were going to keep watching My Dress Up Darling? Yes. I didn't watch her anymore. We totally didn't. <laughs> we, t- <laughs> we did it. <laughs> it was a one-trick pony, and we all knew it. We'll we'll talk about this more when we do we'll, a retrospective we'll on, get to on more of our episodes. Yes. But I just had to say that right now. No, but, thank um, you for saying that. Um, but yeah, no, course, I, but- I, I think Akira was um, – it was incredible. I think I, I would have to recommend it to anybody um, because it is just such like a, a foundational work in yes. – anime and in culture and yeah i don't know i i think that's it and, and not because because i did enjoy it uh but again not particularly because of i was really invested in characters or anything but i i was yeah. really really invested in how it looked and exactly. how it really just made this anime boom in the west at the time so that's the, yeah. that's that baby um so yeah thank you akira for making a generation of american weebs yeah um, thank you for thank you akira for uh lubing up the west to take the the big the big sweaty meat of the east it's bad wow oh my god what a rousing podcast of anime conversation am i right my compares am i right my weebdom anywho uh yeah you can send us a message if you want did you like this podcast did you hate this podcast do you want to kill me do you want to drench me in calaxisaur blood and watch me drink it that's fine just send us an email at badanimepod at gmail.com or dm us on our instagram at badanimepod all one word you can also find us on youtube as badanime and you could leave a comment on whatever video you want to leave a comment on we'll read them all anyways we don't care i love you kiss kiss simple equations podcast network